Well, it's good to have all of you here this morning on this balmy end of January. I said, man, we had a nice month. And then uh, I stepped outside yesterday morning and went, where'd it go? So it's still nice. We, we are getting some sunshine. So thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> so it, uh, I'm, I'm circling back around, man, I, I don't know if I'll ever, I've got, I think, like four more messages that I could do without getting out of verse three of Psalms 23, because so many things are opening up and just circling around. Um, it, it's, it's the principle of application, not learning, right? And, and I think that's why I, I can get into a passage like this and just stay there because it's not about learning new information. It's about practicing what's there. And like the practice of Psalms 23 is becoming more alive. And I'd, I'm just going to say, before we get going today, this, uh, what we started last week, and we're going to go back into, and we were looking at, he leads us in paths of righteousness. The principles that are coming out of that are probably going to change my life more than anything else God has led me into the practice of in the last 20 years. This is going to change my life and my walk with Christ more than anything else I've done in the last 20 years. This is, you, you need to get this because it will change how you walk with God. It just will. Um, and, and it's, and it's life-giving. It's, it's not like this big, wow, bang, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it really what it is, is it's a reformation. And a reformation is where you already have the information, but it's kind of gone dormant, and it, and it gets reformed in your life and becomes active again, right? That's what this is. It's, it's a reformation of what God has already given me. It's not something new. It's actually something very old. Um, and, and it's just that I've only seen part of it. And God goes, no, there's more to it than that. Let me, let me show you the rest of this. So let, let's continue on on this. I'm just going to read Psalms 23 through verse 3 because that's all the farther we made it. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I just love the fact that I had the opportunity every time I see soul now, but especially here, to go, he restores the essence of life. That's why Jesus said, he said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full, right? John chapter 10, where he's talking about being our shepherd. I came to restore, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. He restores my soul. How? He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we really begin to dissect the last part of that third verse of Psalms 23 last week. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so I, I just want to bring back to your memory some of the parts of the dissection, right? This takes me back to junior high and a frog. Anybody ever get to do those? Maybe you did worms. We did earthworms. We did frogs. I don't remember the other things we did, but we dissected things. We Got to take out the parts, right? And I just 
Remember that. So we've got this thing pinned open on a piece of cork, and we're looking at these paths of righteousness. So here's some of the parts. Righteousness, right, in the verse, is described as a path, okay, which is, 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 I don't want to say it's revolutionary, but I cannot believe how many places in Scripture that we are told about the ways and the paths. Righteousness is a path. Jesus said, come, I want to take you, I want to guide you in a path of righteousness. Path, go someplace. And this path leads away to life, right? The path of righteousness uh, leads away from death. I want to say that too. Leads away from death and to life. Um, righteousness, right, is the definition. I've been giving it to you, giving it to you, giving it to you. Now you go, where do you get this? Well, maybe it's just mine, but it's such a good definition that I'm going to live by it, right? This isn't just something, oh, that sounds really good. No, I will stake my life on this definition. Righteousness in any matter under consideration is how God sees it. That's what's righteous. It's how he sees it. It's how God views it. It's not my idea. It's his. Right? Righteousness isn't about me. It's about him. And so it's, it's how God sees it. And so we, we pulled that out of there. Righteousness is how God sees it. And righteousness is the core substance and body of repentance. Now, we're going to revisit repentance because this is the thing that's going to change how I live from here on out. More than anything else, God has taught me in the last 20 years. This little piece on repentance is just so alive. This last week, it was so alive. I'm like, God, wow. This, 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 this is the key to so many things that I've asked you about or for. And here it is. So simple. So simple that even a child could do it. Right? All right. So repentance, by, by definition, and, th and this was, I'm talking to Lynn Lapkin, he goes, so the, the Jew, when, when you would talk, so John came with a baptism of what? Repentance, repentance, so easy. He's preparing the way for the Messiah, and he's teaching repentance. So what is repentance? What was repentance to a, to a Jewish person if they heard that word? Here's, here's what it is. Repentance is turning away from my course or my path of action to embrace the course or the path of action aligning with how God sees it. That's repentance. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Um, there, there is a place in repentance where, where we need to do that, but that is not the body of repentance. Repentance was never meant to be applied on the sin end. Repentance was meant to be applied before anything bad ever happened. And you go, well, where do you get that? By definition, repentance is turning from how I see it to align myself with how God sees it. And I'm here to tell you that Adam and Eve could have applied repentance before one sin was ever committed in the garden. You see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented Adam and Eve's ability 
to make their first decisions where they didn't have to look to see if it aligned with how God saw it. And God told them, the day you eat from that tree, you will die. Can I tell you that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, how you see it, is still death today? Repentance was not designed or made to be applied to sin primarily. Repentance was a means of covering our nakedness and turning to God and saying, you know what, God? Here, here, here's the story. I don't see things the way you do. And so I'm going to put on repentance before I do anything. I'm not going to wait until after it's obvious that I've transgressed against how you see it. See, that's the biggest flaw with repentance is we treat it like it's something to be used on the backside of a sin rather than on the front side of our life. This will change how you live before God. And repentance, uh, last week, I've, I've just totally strayed from my notes, and I know it's all in here, so I'll have to realign myself with my notes, but um, is a posture of humility. Repentance is a posture of humility. When, when I stand before God and I say, God, I do not see life the way you see life. And I need you to lead me in paths of how you see it. That is a posture of humility. Go in and read the promises to the humble. God is opposed to the proud. What's pride? Pride is to do it my way. By the very definition, pride is to say, no, I know the way. And then to go off on my path. When what really needed to happen was I just needed to put on repentance and say, God, I really don't know. I really don't know how you see it. I'm not going to assume that I know more than what I do. I need you to lead me in these paths of righteousness that you promised you would lead me in as my shepherd. Now, that doesn't mean I'm locked down and I don't do anything. It just means I hold life a whole lot lighter. Like, I, I think I need to go this way, but you know what, God? I could be wrong. And so as I move out and as I move forward, I hold this very lightly and I'm listening. Speak to me. Show me your way. So I can follow you because, God, I don't see things the way you see them. I need you to lead me in paths of righteousness. Um, I said last week I referred to repentance as a posture of humility. But during this past week, I began to see repentance as clothing that a person would put on to go on this wonderful hike on the path of righteousness as I follow my shepherd and my guide. I begin to realize that my whole life I have neglected one of the greatest gifts I have ever been given, and that is the gift of repentance. Now, I've, I've got to be honest, I've never thought of repentance as a gift. It's more of a chore. It's more of repentance is the thing that I do when I'm red in the face because I got caught. I'm sorry, God. He goes, yes, you are. Sorry. Oh, God, I don't want to do that again. No, I know you don't want to do that again, but the only way you're not going to do that again is if you change your mind and acknowledge the fact that you don't see life the way I see it, and you begin to look for how I see it. You begin to rely on me. You become more dependent on me and less independent in what you know. 
Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is still death. If that's your primary source for making your decisions. Now, um, I begin to realize that I had neglected. When I say neglect, I don't, I don't mean that I didn't ask God to forgive me. Because I certainly have. But I have neglected the greatest aspect of the gift. The dynamic of repentance that is at work when I haven't apparently done anything wrong. That is the greatest place for repentance. Why? Because that's where I start making my decision, right? Um, I, I just, that hit me. God goes, man, why are you waiting until over here to put on repentance? Wouldn't it have been better if Adam and Eve had put on repentance before they made the decision? Right? Because it was all about how they saw it. They, 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 what, did, what did Satan do? He got, got Eve's eyes on the trees. Look at this. And she saw. That's how she saw it. All she needed to do was turn away from that and align herself with what God had said. Hey, you got everything else, but don't touch that. That's mine. Repentance. How we wish repentance had happened before sin took place. And God hasn't changed his mind. How he wishes repentance would take place in our lives before the sin happens, rather than after. Yet we've made it something we do just after sin. Rather than clothing ourselves with repentance the way God gave it to us, it's such a great gift. Um, I've utilized repentance in my missteps. However, I've never utilized repentance when things seem to be going right. And right now, some people are going, wow, Pastor Brent, you just kind of slammed the door in my face. What's wrong with this guy? What's wrong? Repentance before I do something wrong. But righteousness and repentance both center around how God sees this life and how we should be following him in it. We more easily understand the times we get caught with our hand in the cookie jar. We knew we weren't supposed to have the cookie in the first place, and now we know we stand opposed to how God sees it. And so we practice 1 John 1, 9. Now, it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. This is part of it, but this is not the greatest part of the gift. This is just the part we've been told to exercise, right? Because it, 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 it somehow keeps us out of judgment. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to live a life averting judgment. I want to live a life moving towards life. I want to lie. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I don't just want to get good at hiding things. Man, I want to have life, and God offers this life. And so, but, but 1 John 1 9, listen to this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here we even have the principles of how God sees it, right? He is faithful and like he has a way of seeing it and he forgives us our sins and he cleanses us from unrighteousness. Okay, that is, that is part of repentance. It's not, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not all. And it's certainly not God's intent in giving it to us because again, I can take it back to the Garden of Eden before sin was and say repentance fit here. And would have saved us so much trouble if repentance had been put on prior to sin, prior to something, obviously. Now, do you notice? I, I like this. You got to get this. Um, 
Adam and Eve had some feelings about some things before sin happened. There was temptation before sin happened, right? They, they weren't exempt from these things. And so many times we think just because we have a feeling, something is wrong. No. But it's when I let the feelings get the better of me and run my life that I get into trouble. And that's where repentance got to come in because you're going to have some feelings about some things, but if you will stop and you'll go, you know what, God, I feel this way because I'm looking through life through my eyes and through my knowledge of how I see it. And right now, God, I need to stop and acknowledge, I don't see life the way you see it. And I need you to lead me in a path of righteousness so I don't wander off and start eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because as much as you've provided repentance over there, I want to experience the life of repentance over here. We miss our greatest opportunities for the gift of repentance when we feel good about life and our behavior and our attitudes. And we have that great feeling about our plans and we just move ahead assuming that we're on the right path. You know, I'd heard this saying all my life, but really became more true this week in light of this. Isn't it true in in light of the last statement that the road to hell is paved with good intention? You want to know what a good intention is? A good intention is my plan without acknowledging God. It looks good to me, but that may not be the way you see it. Get a chance, go back and read Isaiah 30, verse 1. He goes, God says, you're adding sin to sin by making a plan, but not mine. It was a good plan. They felt pretty good about their plan. God said, well, see how that works out for you. See, they could have, and and then he goes on to say in verse 15, he says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, but you would have none of it. Therefore." You're going to suffer. Now, he said, you will have a chance and you will repent on the backside of it. And I earnestly wait to be gracious to you. But how I long that you would have put on repentance before you made that choice. How I wish you would have acknowledged and humbled yourself before me before you needed to come in on the death side of things and ask for forgiveness. Right? Repentance is for life, not just for the death side. Um, Whole bodied, properly functioning repentance helps me come face to face with the fact that I do not see things the way God sees things ever. Well, I, I, I don't know about that. I do. The day you have God's perspective, you're God. Isaiah 55. I, this is a go-to statement for me. It helps me find center in my life. It brings me back to reality. You should read the whole chapter. I'm just taking a snippet, but in the context, right, it's so about repentance. But look at what Isaiah says. Let the wicked, now I want to stop there because anytime we hear the word wicked, 
we, we think of the worst. You don't want to know what wickedness is according to Romans chapter 1? Wickedness is those who see the truth and suppress it. So when you see the truth that, that God's ways are higher than your ways and you suppress that and you go about your way anyway, Scripture says that's wickedness. Anytime we make God subservient to us or our ways are higher than his, that's wickedness. That's wickedness. And it says in Romans 1 that severe judgment and wrath is being stored up for those who are in the practice of suppressing the truth. Right? Uh, I'd say there's a lot of people that go to church every Sunday that should go read that. Don't, don't think that you're going to hide behind the name of Jesus when it comes to judgment because Scripture says that every matter must be established by the witness of two or more. And when you're standing there, the Holy Spirit's going to be standing there and God's going to look at him and he's going to say, do you know him? And he's going to say, no, I don't. Lord, Lord, didn't we do this stuff? You know what? That's a matter of their thinking. Anybody in their right mind standing before God would fall down and say, oh God, Look what you did. But they're going to stand up and say, look what we did in your name. He's going to say, I don't know who you are. Why do you call me Lord? You didn't do what I said. You never put on repentance. What a gift we've been given at this point. Isaiah 55. We don't see it the way God does ever. Let the wicked forsake his way, his path, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, right? How he sees it. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts. Speaking of God's thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways, my ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways, my paths, my thoughts higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Repentance brings me face to face with the fact that I don't see life how God sees it ever, initially, without his help. On my own, I will never see it how he sees it. Never. I don't care how much you learn. I don't care how much you think you know. His ways are as high above my ways and my way of thinking as the heavens are above the earth. Now, does that mean we're not supposed to learn anything? No, it just means that whatever you learn, you better hold lightly because I'll tell you, you're just seeing a dim image. And God has some things that he wants to bring to that in the journey. He wants you in the place where you can be led, not in the place where you know enough to be independent of his leading. That's what repentance is all about. It's like, God, I need you. I need you. I'm more dependent on you today than I was yesterday. Lead me in paths of how you see it. Because I know that I don't see it that way. However, you've made me the promise that you want to reveal that to me by your Holy Spirit. You should lead me in that. Right? He doesn't keep us in the dark. But beware of thinking you know enough to do it on your own. I th that, that is the danger of religion, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says, don't touch that. Don't touch that. You come to me. 
I'll show you the way. I'll lead you in paths of righteousness. Repentance is a posture of repentance. <clears throat> First Corinthians 13, verse 12 says this, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known. We know in part. It's not that we don't know anything, but we definitely don't see it the way God sees it ever without his help. That causes me to approach life differently. That causes me to approach my good days differently. Because you want to know what? I get in more trouble when I feel good. You want to know why? I quit asking. I quit looking. I quit paying attention. I'm like, huh? I'm free. Huh, feels so good. I'm just going to go out here and enjoy life. Oh, God, this must be a sign of your favor. Oh, this good thing coming. I never take the time to stop and to humble myself and to clothe myself with humility and to go, God, you've given me this wonderful day. You've given me this wonderful gift. And I have an idea of how I would like to use it. God, I know I don't see life the way you see it. And so lead me. In paths of righteousness today, I receive this day from you with all that is in it. And I'm asking that you would guide me. And I'm listening. I'm moving, but I'm listening. Lead me in paths of righteousness. Before I've done anything that is obviously wrong to me, I have a chance to wholeheartedly acknowledge that I don't see things the way God does and to petition him to lead me in his ways because without him, I can do nothing. Jesus taught us that in John 15. Before I ever execute a plan or enter full steam into a day, I should apply the clothing of repentance and then prepare myself at any point to be led in a way I may not have planned. I say, I hold it lightly. Don't get locked up. I've done this. Oh, I just can't move until God says something. No, 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 no. No. Like, like he's given me this day as a gift and I'm moving into it. But how many of you have ever formed a plan and just forged full steam ahead into the plan and you get to the end and you go, what happened? This turned into a train wreck. Well, my good intentions didn't work out. And you want to know who I never asked? You want to know how much I assumed? God goes, man, when things are right, clothe yourself with the gift of repentance that I might lead you into life in what I've given you. Don't let the tree of the knowledge of good and evil steal from you. Um, another passage of scripture, not even in my notes, but I want to bring it because I was thinking about it today. James and Peter both say God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Who is the proud person? Person that believes their way is right. And isn't it funny? God doesn't get up in the morning. Well, he didn't even go to sleep, but when God doesn't have a list of those who go, oh yeah, I'm opposed to them. Today, opposed, 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 opposed. We get to make the choice. One day, God goes, I'm so, my heart is so broken that you make me stand opposed to you. 
Oh God, how do I make you stand opposed to me? Because you refuse to put on repentance. You refuse to humble yourself before me and you lean on your own understanding. And by doing that, you say my way is right, so you automatically put yourself in opposition to how I see it. That is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The path of righteousness is full of, full of grace. It's full of grace. Isn't that amazing? We all can think back to when we came to the Lord and it was so life-giving. You want to know why? Because we embraced repentance in the correct way. Now, it was we were asking for forgiveness, but in the acknowledgement of Christ, basically what we were saying is, I have nothing good to offer you. God, this is solely based on who you are and how you see me through Christ. Forgive me, and we experienced the life of that. And really, what we were acknowledging is how he sees it, right? And we go, why was there so much life in that repentance and in that season Then it can seem to get so dry? Because... I quit looking for how he sees it, and I just use repentance on the death side of things rather than, right? That repentance led to what? It led to life. Why? Lead me and pass the righteous. God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Show me your way so I can walk with you. That's what, that's what happened when I was at that altar. And there was so much life flowed into that, and then somehow I just wandered off from that. Okay, I need to learn scripture. I need to get smarter so I can do this. God goes, no, you just need to keep doing what you did right here. Acknowledge, I need you, God. I don't know anything, right? Without you, I'm lost like a ball in the tall weeds. God, I'm no smarter than a head of cabbage. Give me 10 seconds, I'll mess it up. And he goes, oh, come with me. Follow me. Let me show you my way. Let me show you a path of righteousness. Let me open your eyes to how I see it. Um... James 4.10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. What an amazing promise. I've read that and read that so many times. God, how do, how do we see that happen? But it's really the clothing in repentance is humbling myself before God. God, I don't see things the way you do ever unless you lead me. That says that's humbling yourself in my presence, huh? Another passage of scripture, James says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Well, what's it look like to resist the devil? It's simply to turn to God and say, God, I don't see things the way you do. Would you lead me in paths of how you see it? Well, I've just come under his covering, right? Do you understand that all Satan needed to do was to get them to find a source of their own way of seeing things? You know, that's all that changed in the garden. You, you think he's gotten away from that? No. Man, you need, if I can get you to lean on your own understanding, I don't have to do anything else because by virtue, you stand in opposition to God. I says, oh, I've given you this wonderful gift of repentance. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. I want to, I want to, um, think about repentance in these terms. I, I, I kind of like this because I like to go on hikes. I love to go on hikes. I love to see new things. I love to get new perspective. I love to get to a place and see something from a place I've never seen it, from an elevation, or, or to stand in a valley and look up and to see something. I've just, it just, I, I just get in awe. So I, I, I 
bring that in a lot of times when preachers like we're on this path, and I like it. He says he leads us in these paths of righteousness. We're not in the Middle East. We're in Montana. So if he's going to lead me on a path here, it's going to be a beautiful mountain trail. So think of it like this. Um, if you're going to take a, a five-mile hike on a, a rough backcountry trail to get to your favorite trout-infested mountain lake, When do you put on your hiking gear? And I, I just had this funny thought because God said, do you start off at the trailhead buck naked with your gear in your backpack? No. You, you, you put, you put I, I, I put some, some funny things here. Um, oops. Uh, I don't know. How many of you have ever experienced Devil's Club? Uh, up in the, right, right. Do you, do you wait until you're in the devil's club to put your pants on? Oh, oh, yeah, it'd be worse than that. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the devil's club. I better, better get my pants on or, or it's really cold. I better find a shirt or, or wow, my feet are a pair of bloody stumps. I should dig out those socks and boots to stop the bleeding. No, you, you put on your clothing to prepare you for the trail that you're going to go on. And I'm telling you that the clothing for the path of righteousness is repentance. You can't be on the path of righteousness without repentance. And I would much rather put it on on the front side than after I'm a bleeding piece of meat on the trail. And I put here, is it any less crazy to think that we should show up each day in the sheer nakedness of how we see life and then wonder why we take such a beating as we attempt to follow God in a path of righteousness as we depend on our own understanding? He didn't say it was a nice path. He didn't say it was an easy path. Matter of fact, Jesus, when he refers to this path, he says, take up your cross and follow me. It's a tough path. It's not for the faint of heart. Sometimes God leads us. What did he tell Peter? He said, you used to clothe yourself and go where you want, but the time is coming when you will be clothed and taken where you don't want to go. Man, that's when I need repentance. Oh God, I definitely don't see it the way you do, but you know what? I'm not going to run from your leading and I'm not going to get off this path because I've been clothed with repentance and I understand that those who come to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him out. Hebrews 11.6. So I, I want to... I Step over for just a minute. We're probably not going to finish all of this, but I do, I do want to do this um, because I've been talking about um, in Scripture. I want to see this from a little different vantage point. <clears throat> we, 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 we are shown some, some um, elements of life and and. Two of these elements are knowledge and wisdom, okay? 
And a lot of times these interchangeably get used as we talk to people, but they're definitely not the same thing. Scripture doesn't present them as the same thing, but they are parts of life and, and we need to understand how they're presented and what we're taught when we learn about these things. And so when, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, it wasn't very long down the road that I began to pray Solomon's prayer, God, make me wise. Now, I'm here to tell you that's not what Solomon prayed. But that's what I started praying. Oh, God, make me, make me smart. I want to be the smartest Christian anybody knows. I want to know all this stuff. Like, I want to show you how much I love you by how much I know. So that I can just do all this stuff well. Like, that's what's going to make you happy. Because that's what's made all my bosses happy. That's what apparently I thought would make my parents happy. That's just how we operate in this world. We learn stuff, and then we do stuff well, and people are happy, and they leave us alone, and they give us raises, and life is good. What Solomon really prayed, the word is lev shoma, and it means give me a hearing heart. That's what Solomon prayed. That wasn't what I prayed. I wanted some knowledge. I wanted to know some stuff. So knowledge... We do this, this isn't split in here. You just got to understand because we will operate according to what we trust. Knowledge is the amassed or amassment of information that we gather and then use to do life. I'm not saying knowledge is a bad thing. I'm just saying you got to be careful with knowledge about what you learn. I've learned a lot of stuff, done a lot of different stuff. I enjoy learning. I like to read books. I like to learn new things, but it can be dangerous because it all goes in the bucket of my understanding. And I can begin to live out of that. And you got to guard against that. Got to guard against that. I shouldn't say live out. Living out of it's bad. It's just when it becomes my primary source of making decisions and then being confident that my decisions are right. Now, wisdom, on the other hand, is the refined product of knowledge in the fire of experience while participating in an apprenticeship with a skillful, experienced guide. Wisdom is the practical application. It is knowledge that's refined in the fire of the experience, and it is even better when it is done in an apprenticeship with a skillful guide. God said, I want to lead you in paths of righteousness. He says, where, where do you think? Where do you think? I, I just conjecture. Take a guess. Where do you think we're going to find God's wisdom? In the path of righteousness. We're going to find his wisdom where he leads us. You want to know why? Because that's where we'll see it, how he sees it. How many of you understand that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? Right? Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, I'm just going to read the first part. Now about food offered idols, of course, we know that all of us possess knowledge concerning these matters. Yet mere knowledge causes people to be puffed up and bear themselves loftily and proud. So knowledge, we all have knowledge, but when we begin to lean on our knowledge, when we begin to just solely live out of our knowledge, when we begin to believe just because I know it, it's right, it says that we begin to get puffed up. We begin to get proud, right? Look at Proverbs 3.18. I'll just read it to you. Now, Solomon is speaking about wisdom, speaking about wisdom. Listen to what he says. She is a tree of life 
to those who take hold of her, and happy are those who hold her fast. Isn't it amazing that Adam and Eve had to be put out of the garden? Why? Lest they ate from the tree of life. And here we find that in repentance, we are given the tree of life back. She is a tree of life to those who find her. Is it a tree of life on the death side or on the life side? The life side. She is a tree of life to those who put her on before. Clothing. Now Solomon, who wrote that passage, writes the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which are called the wisdom books, or one of the wisdom books. He writes the first nine chapters to a son, and he implores him to get wisdom, listing the benefits and just benefit after benefit after benefit of wisdom. But in the process of writing this, Solomon gives his son the keys to attaining the sacred treasure of wisdom. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all of your ways. I love it. Every time you see ways, it's a path, a path of righteousness in all of your ways. Which path are you on? Which path are you taking today? How did you start out? Your, did you start with repentance or are you going to end with repentance? In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. What's evil? What's evil? Murder? Adultery? Lying? Cheating? Stealing? Sure, that's all evil. You want to know why those things happen? Because people lean on their own understanding. So what's evil? It's evil when I lean on my own understanding. Doesn't matter what it is. Petty theft will send you to hell as fast as murder. God doesn't grade sin. Sin is missing the mark. That's the definition of sin. How do I miss the mark? I lean on my own understanding. Why am I missing the mark? Because I never see it how God sees it, ever. And when I trust in my own understanding, I will miss the mark every time. And that's evil because I've been given a means of seeing it how God sees it. But if pride has its way, I'll miss out. I have referenced Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 so many times that I can't even count them. Yet I have never seen it as an admonishment to be clothed with repentance. It's an admonishment to be clothed with repentance. This is what Solomon said to his son. Start with repentance and you will find wisdom. And in Proverbs 4, he says, and above all that you get, get wisdom. But wisdom is only found in the path of life because that's the only place we're going to see it how God sees it. The path of righteousness, the path of how God sees it. That's where wisdom is. You're not going to get wisdom by learning a bunch of stuff. Wisdom comes, right? As we acknowledge, God, I... I have some knowledge, I know some stuff, but I don't trust that more than I trust you. And I know that this can be deceiving. I know that I don't always see things the way you see them. I don't, not ever, <laughs> unless you show me. And so I'm asking you to lead me in this path and to show me 
your way. All right, so I'm going to stop there. I, I want to give you uh, a couple of verses and some homework, and we're going to uh, pick this back up. I, I, I just, because this circles back around to something else that's said earlier, and I, I want you to get this. So I want to give you some, some verses that I've read. They're some of my favorite verses, but I've never seen them as a call to repentance because I've never looked at repentance this way. as something I do before the mistake is made. It's something I can do every morning when I receive the day from God. Oh, God, thank you for this day. I receive it from you. You're my shepherd. I'm a sheep. You're leading. Cause me to lie down in your will. Lead me beside the still waters. We haven't spent any time on that, but we're gonna. It's amazing. It's an amazing principle all in itself. Restore the essence of my life as you lead me in paths of how you see it. Because, God, I don't see it the way you see it. So show me your way so I can walk with you. So here's some, here's some repentance verses. I would have I never called them repentance verses because of how I applied repentance. But 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. But just as it is written, things which I have not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. What a repentance verse. God, I, the things you have planned, they haven't even entered. I, I don't have a clue. But I acknowledge that and I look for your way because you said you would guide me, right, in paths of righteousness. And who did Jesus send to guide us in the paths of righteousness? The Holy Spirit. So the Spirit makes these things known. That's a promise that he will show you his way. But don't think you know how that's going to happen. Can I just say, I don't know how many times this week that things have gotten rough. And I've been able to stop and back up and just simply say, God, I'm feeling all of this anxiety and angst and, and, and anger. And, and I feel all this. But the reason I feel that is because I'm looking at this situation through my understanding. And I don't know how you see this. Would you lead me in how you see this? And all of that just fled away. And I went, all right, God's got it. He's got it. He will lead me. Rather than me just acting on my own understanding and making a mess of things, I'm going to humble myself and put on repentance before I bring death. And I'm going to let him, right, show me the tree of life. Because she is a tree of life to those who find her. Romans 12, 1 and 2, another one of my favorites. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I am never going to know what the will of God is unless I let him change how I see it. I never saw that as a repentance first. It was just, a, it was just something I... I quoted when I wanted to feel better about life and get through. And God goes, no, put that on. Put it on before there's trouble. Uh, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. I haven't done this one a lot, but another one of my favorite verses that I, that I go back to. And 
Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father in heaven, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses your knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Here it is now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. What an amazing verse of repentance. Yeah, no sin, but the acknowledgement of, God, I don't see things the way you see them, and you're doing things that are beyond my scope and my spectrum of, of comprehension that go beyond my knowledge. Isn't it amazing, the, the promise of peace in Philippians chapter 4? Paul says, I pray that, you know, be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, make your requests known to the Lord, that the peace of God that passes all understanding. Hey, guard your... It's a repentance verse. It's a repentance verse. Father, we thank you that you come to us again and again and again and again and again. That you earnestly desire to show us your way so we can walk with you. And God, I pray that you would take that principle and that you would plant the seed in every heart and that you would grow it the way you see fit. Would you water it this week? Would you provide the opportunities for this seed to bear fruit in the life of every person? God, we look to you. We embrace you. Show us your way so we can walk with you. God, restore the essence of life and lead us in paths of how you see it. Holy Spirit, would you help us to dawn the garments of repentance each morning before one thing good or bad is done, to acknowledge your sovereignty, to acknowledge your omnipresence, your omnipotence, your all-powerful, to declare what Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, let your name be kept holy, for yours is the kingdom. And yours is the power and yours is the glory forever and ever. Father, I pray that the posture of humility, the clothing of repentance would be found on each one of us and God that we would begin to experience the tree of life in our walk with you. God, your wisdom that we would be astounded and in awe of your greatness each day out of your understanding each day, of your wisdom each day. That you would cause us to lie down in the green pastures and you would lead us beside the still water each day. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.